Hey, Hofstra fans, welcome to the Director's Cut with Hofstra Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole Jr. Today we'll be joined by Head Strength and Condition Coach Jimmy Prendergast after chatting with Rick. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and go Pride. Hello, Hofstra fans, and welcome to the Director's Cut uh, with Hofstra Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole Jr., your podcast. Rick, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing wonderful. Glad to be here. It's been a couple weeks since we've uh, chatted. A lot has happened. We've had some wonderful moments here in Hofstra Athletics, and really we're primed for a real successful winter and into the spring arm. We are. It was a great end to the fall and um, certainly the beginning of the basketball and the winter season and wrestling. Um, you know, we're excited uh, to continue. And as we, you know, go into the end, you know, I always feel for our student-athletes in this, this week, you know, finals week is always an interesting um, time for them, you know, I'm, Clearly, it's been a long time since you or I were taking finals, but, man, I, I certainly can empathize for what those, those student-athletes are going through. Well, you mentioned it. We'll, we'll go back to the fall, circle back to the fall a little bit. We had two programs that you know, monumental achievements this fall. Uh, let's start with cross-country. We've ha He was a guest on, on our podcast here, and uh, he continued after the podcast, and really he reached the, the pinnacle of his sport. Uh, Alex Masai won the CA title for the second straight year won the regional NCAA Regional Championship, the first ever in Hofstra history, and they qualified for the NCAA Championship. Uh, we've talked extensively about what Alex means to his program and this department. Uh, what more can you add and what more can you say about this student athlete? I mean, Alex is easy to talk about. You know, um, he's a kind man and he's a good man and he's a hardworking man. And um, some of those results of those, those attributes, I think, are that he's a very successful um, He's a gifted man too, and I think that has something to do with it as well. But you know, it's you know when we got a chance to celebrate him at the basketball game and um, you know put his you know regional win up on on the wall it was a special day because you know there's lots of folks who win, but this young man just wins by every measure. He's just you know he's he's appreciative. He's you know humble. He's a Hofstra community first type of a guy and. Um, you know, so when we put the banner of his regional championship up, I think he was surprised, right? I mean, he, I mean, he just stunned, stunned. Yeah, you know, and humbled by it, and you know, he was clapping because I think he wasn't quite sure what to do. He, you know, he just doesn't enjoy that spotlight. Um, but we are so thrilled for him. We're so proud of him, um, and uh, you know, hope, hopeful and optimistic about what he'll be able to do in the winter and spring in uh, track. Yeah, that, and he didn't just win the regional championship; he won by about twelve seconds, and you know. It's not often you can hang a banner for something like cross country, and we were able to do that. Can you give the thought process? You know what, what kind of meaning behind that and the hanging the banner in the uh, Max Sports Complex? Well, I mean, he set the bar. You know, we we talk we talk often um, internally and now even externally we're, we're about raising the standards. He's raised the standards. You know, winning an NCAA regional is very very hard to do in any sport. Um, but in cross country, when you're out there, it's it's one against the world, and and uh, you know he was uh, he had a great race um, from you know as far as all of our experts say, and he felt good, and you know we want to celebrate greatness, and and it's to to us it's you know it's easy because he won the NCAA regional to recognize him, but you know he's given us every indication with every interaction we have, he's exactly who we want to celebrate. And, you know, he's committed to getting his, his you know, his schoolwork. He's, you know, he's a, a team first, program first, institution first kind of a guy. He works very, very hard. He's got great value in being able to wear, you know, anything Hofstra. 
And then he goes out and kills it on the course. And, you know, I'm sure he was probably disappointed with the national championship. The weather was and the course conditions were just horrendous. And that's unfortunately... Yeah, anybody who goes to college up there has got her <laughs> bad ideas, right? Well, Mother Nature really took over. So, I mean, it was cold, muddy, slippery, everyone, people falling all over the place. So, um, you know, when you have excellence, you celebrate it. And, um, you know, in Alex Masai, we, we, we have excellence. And speaking of raising the standards... The women's soccer program, they didn't just win the CA regular season title. They didn't just win the CA conference tournament. They didn't just advance to the NCAA tournament, all for the third straight year. They, they advanced the second round of the NCAA tournament, hosted their first ever NCAA tournament game. Uh, the superlatives, we've gone on. Again, another program we've gone on. Uh, Coach Ridioff and his crew, uh, what, what are your thoughts there? What, what this season uh, turned out to be for them? You know, Stephen, I think that you know, there's a reason why we continue to talk about people like Simon Rudioff and our women's soccer program because they, um, you know, they continue to perform and, um, and train and prepare and, and, you know, set and raise standards for everyone. And, you know, you watch that team play. We are a talented group, as we've talked about as well. They're all coming back, you know, knock wood, they all stay healthy. Um, we have, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the country, and he's a Hofstra product, and he's built something special here, and we're looking forward to, to continuing that. You know, we went out to, you know, we went from, you know, I, you know, went from UCLA great win to getting on a flight the next morning, heading over to Stanford. Don't, don't take my thunder. I'm working. Not there yet. So, so you go to Stanford and you watch who, the, the eventual national champion and who is just an exceptional soccer team. And you watch how hard our women played, and, and you know we lost um, for nothing, but it was, you know, it was a competitive um, one nothing at halftime. Yeah, one nothing at halftime, and they are. When I say they're good, they're the best women's soccer team I personally have seen play live. And uh, two All-Americans, Lucy Porter, Sabrina Bryan. Obviously, the greatness of Lucy Porter has been long discussed, and Sabrina just had a tremendous season where she has put herself on another level in this program's history, hasn't she? Yeah, and, you know, you know, we often talk about what's so great and makes those, you know, when you have somebody like a Lucy Porter or any of the greats that we have, when they get to play together, they make each other better, and they make the people around them better. So... You know, I'm excited for that, and, and I'm excited that they're back, and I'm excited how they raise each other up, and I'm excited how the rising tide lifts all boats, and you've got a couple of amazing, you know, women, you know, putting the jersey on again. You know, I love when we're able to talk about the people that put the program and the team first, and, and that's why I think Simon and his, his incredible, talented group of women are doing such great things. And now a quick talk about the winter. Women's basketball, Danielle Santos-Atkinson has her team off. She's they're, they're working hard. They're really advancing. They got a couple wins early. Uh, what have you seen from Danielle as, uh, uh, as she gets underway here in her Hofstra tenure? She's doing it the right way. She's teaching. She's building. Um, and I, I, can, you know, I can guarantee that will continue all year. You know, she will continue to teach. She will continue to work. She will continue to build these women up and, and um, make them better players and help, help them on their journey and on their own, of their own life. And um, you know, we're, it's going to be a process, rebuilding process, and she's going to do great things, and then she's doing it day by day. Uh, speaking of uh, the winter, men's basketball, we'll obviously talk about men's women's basketball more in upcoming episodes, but the win over UCLA, uh, literally a monumental moment, not just for the program, not just for the athletic department, for the university. Uh, it just, it, it checked every box that you need athletics to help 
be a front porch for university. Uh, what are your thoughts as the game? What were your thoughts, personal thoughts, as that game ended? Do you kind of remember the moment? I mean, I think everybody who was associated with this university kind of remembers the moment they either found out, a lot of people found out the next morning. Uh, do you remember kind of your first, like, wow, we did it, or whatever kind of thought you had? Yeah, I actually do. My my immediate emotion and thought was, this is one of those moments in these players' lives they will never forget. You know, you, we talk about you beginning and the end of your timeline of life, and there's a couple important dots along the way. You know, as an athlete, to go into a poly pavilion and and beat UCLA and, you know, play with the, the courage and the effort that, um, that we did. Um, but that's one of those days when you walk off that court, that's a good signature win in your playing career at a, a storied building like that, at a storied program that I remember watching these young men thinking to myself, for them, because everything you said about our institution and raising the profile and exposure to the institution on the West Coast, throughout the country, on ESPN all night with the highlights, what I thought most about, because all those things are true, was what a cool moment that's going to be in their memory of their, of their journey, specifically their athletic journey. Uh, the funny thing was that the the friends and the family, whether they were text or phone calls, came in waves. Obviously. Our friends and family on the East Coast were asleep, most of them, unless they were staying up late to watch the game. I know I've spoken to Joe about it, how many texts that he was at by the time he woke up the next morning. It was about 400. Do you remember roughly how many you uh, kind of woke up to or gotten waves? No, and to be honest, uh, no, I, can't, I, I didn't know the number, but I was um, surprised with smi like a smile surprise, like, whoa, like the diversity. Of that, the that's what Joe said, too. He's like, I haven't heard from this person in 10 years. Yeah, and the diversity of texts and emails, even phone calls about the great win, even a couple weeks later when I run into people, what a great win against UCLA. Uh, so, you know, we, you ha you know, we are in a competitive, competitive, everyday world. So you got to celebrate the good moments, and, and in typical fashion, the next day you get, you get ready to prepare for the next and on to the next, and I think that's what our basketball team does. And, you know, especially for the kids, there'll be a time when they can look back and really smile about this. And, and I think it's important that you press pause and enjoy the moments, be humble, and then turn the page and get after your next competition because you're only as good as your next game. Uh, speaking, we've talked about greatness a little bit here on this today's episode, and today's guest is exudes greatness. Uh, Jimmy Prendergast, our uh, Director of Strength and Conditioning here at the university, um, He's up next. I give you your thoughts. He's not in the room right now. Well, I know some of you think extremely high of. He was our department employee of the year. Just give your thoughts on Jimmy and what he kind of means to not only his department, but particularly our student athletes. Well, I, th I think if you polled our staff, right? So I often, probably even on this podcast, have used the expression, the best player on the team makes everyone else around them better. I think Jimmy, not only is he an incredible talent for what his job is, I think what Jimmy does by his positivity, his work ethic, his interactions with people. Um, you know, I like to think I'm a good person and I like to be a good guy and all those kind of stuff, but this guy, he makes everyone else around him better. Is there, is there a better nickname in the department? No, actually no. Jimmy Waits, for what's terrible, you know, when I first started working here a little over a year and a half ago, I just, I didn't even, I couldn't even, I didn't know his last name. It was always Jimmy Waits. Yeah, be like if we called John Russo, John Baseball. Correct. But, um, um, I mean, just how can I help? He helps anybody. He helps all teams. He is so committed to student-athlete welfare and doing it with ethic and an ethical moral compass. And 
and, and just the, you know, how do we get better? How do we provide more for our students? How can I help raise money so we can better position sports performance and strength and conditioning? And, um, you know, the institution is lucky, our staff is lucky, but most importantly, our student athletes are lucky that he is leading that office and that he's a part of our program. And the listeners of Rick's podcast are lucky. They get to hear a great interview with uh, Jimmy coming up next. Uh, Rick, thanks again. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. And uh, happy holidays to everyone out there. A very happy holiday to the entire Pride community. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in 2020 and, and uh, hoping that uh, 2020 is your best year yet. One more thing, Rick. We didn't discuss nice men's basketball win over Stony Brook last week. What are your thoughts on winning the Long Island rivalry for the fourth straight year? As Eli Pemberton said to News 12 leading up to that, I've never lost to them. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Stony Brook. Let me just, let me do, let me say the right thing because it's true. Um, you know, their athletic director is terrific. They've hired, they've hired another very good basketball coach. And, you know, we love this rivalry because it's two great programs that want to beat each other pretty badly. Um, in all sports. Uh, that's what competitors do from the same region. And this Long Island rivalry seems to be gaining speed. Um, but, you know, we're thrilled to win. And we're thrilled to win at home. And anytime we can beat Stony Brook, we're going to enjoy doing it. Um, and I think Sean would tell you exactly the same thing. Um, but, again, what I think it does, I think it shows Long Island and it shows this greater Long Island area that we have incredible intercollegiate athletic programs, one on the east end, one in, in, in Nassau County. And, um, you know, you have two great programs, which I think both programs, you know, every day try to do it the right way. And, you know, if, if you're listening, you know, I encourage you to come out and watch our programs play. Um, always sweeter when, we, when you're the victor. Um, but but truly a blessing that we even get to have this kind of rivalry in this region. It's pretty fun, and we're going to enjoy keeping it a rivalry. And every time we get, you go to play, we'll, uh, we'll be up for the challenge. Um, and, um, yeah, we love the rivalry. And at the end of the day, it's about college athletics on Long Island. So, so listen, uh, to everyone out there, a very happy holiday, um, and looking forward to seeing you all in 2020. Thank you all. Go Pride. Hello, Hofstra fans, and welcome to the Director's Cut, the podcast with Hofstra Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole, Jr. Rick, welcome back. Glad to be here, Stephen, as always. Glad that you're uh, um, sharing this uh, podcast with me, as always. Well, uh, we have a, a great guest today, uh, Hofstra's head strength and conditioning coach, Jimmy Prendergast. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Stephen and Rick, thank you for having me. Appreciate the time. Uh, Let me just clarify something. Um, if we're going to introduce him, we should introduce him appropriately. So, um, affectionately known as Waits, Jimmy Waits. Uh, you know that was that was a upcoming question of mine, but we want to go right into that to start. Or? I think it's important as we showcase one of our mo uh, greatest talents in our department that we're actually making sure that you know the Hofstra community understands that when he's walking through the hallway, it's either Coach Jimmy or Jimmy Waits by the staff. Um, I don't think anybody else calls him Jimmy Waits, but staff people, because everyone's afraid of him otherwise. But so we'll start with the fun question, Coach Waits. Uh, where did the name come from? Actually, when I first started here um, back in 2009, Coach Amplo, the former associate head lacrosse coach, um, didn't know my last name, and he would always see me taking uh, weights out to the field for competitions, chains, all sorts of things like that. So instead of calling me Jimmy Prendergast, which was apparently too challenging for him, he went with the Jimmy, or Jimmy Waits or Coach Waits. So that's, that's how it started back in 2009. 
That's amazing. Ten years later, it's stuck, and people, new people have come and gone, and it's you're still Jimmy Waits or Waits or whatever, maybe any variation of Waits. Correct. And even my uh, Instagram handle is Coach Waits as well. That's great. Uh, so let's get into who you are and what you do here. You are the head strength and conditioning coach here at Hofstra University. Uh, we'll get into real specifics a little bit later, but can you give the listener who doesn't know who Jimmy Waits is, what, what, what do you do exactly and what is your daily uh, job here at Hofstra do? Obviously, my, myself and my staff, um, we handle everything in regards to the weight room, conditioning, injury prevention, nutrition, and it's, it's really all-encompassing. Um, but it's myself, Justin Bentavania, and Ashley Christie. And uh, my main team responsibilities are men's basketball, uh, men's lacrosse, volleyball, and wrestling. And those are my main team responsibilities, as well as oversee the, the rest of the department. So. Uh, so when you say strength and conditioning, uh, take us to the day of a life of, say, the men's basketball team uh, this week. What, what would a week for you be like with that program? So it depends on the time of year. So in season with men's basketball, we, we train twice a week, and we do it a, a total body approach. So we always start the day with some sort of warm-up, um, and then we go into injury prevention work because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how strong the student-athletes are if they're not healthy enough to be on the court. So before we even touch a dumbbell or barbell, we do some sort of preventative injury prevention strategies. And then after that, we get into our main strength work because obviously we got to continue to get strong as the season progresses. So. Yeah, you, you, people see the prototypical strength coach, and they, like Rick had mentioned before we went on air, you know, person lifting weights everywhere, um, and that strong, you know, huge muscular person. Uh, if people come to a game or a practice, they'll see you pre-practice getting the guys ready for with stretching and uh, different modalities like that, right? Correct. Yeah, really the, the way the profession has gone, it's less about just banging and clanging weights in the weight room, and it's more the holistic approach of keeping the athletes healthy, keeping them fresh, and the recovery aspect because, again, with, especially with men's basketball, you're playing multiple games per week. You have to respond and recover um, just as much as you've got to be strong as well. Yeah, and another area that you oversee as well is the nutrition area, and ha that has become a huge area in college athletics, and particularly here at Hofstra, led by your area. Uh, can you talk a little about that and what, what you're trying to do with, uh, you know, whether it's the X factor or the different bars you're using or the drinks? Correct. Yeah. So, Stephen, so the, the big pieces that go into recovery are sleep, hydration, and nutrition. So, if we can have an opportunity to fuel the student-athletes um, through strength and conditioning, that's what we're looking to do. So this year we started a fueling station, so we offer uh, protein bars, protein shakes, as well as sn healthy snack options because student-athletes not only have their practices, their lifts, study hall, they also have classes. So if we can give them the proper nutrition throughout the day, it'll allow for more recovery and uh, better performance on their, uh, their field of play. So I have an interesting question for you here. So you're the head strength and conditioning coach. You work with multiple programs, and your area oversees a large area of the training and the preparation for a Hofstra student-athlete, yet you're not on the particular coaching staffs. You work with them. How does that dynamic come about, and how do you work with the coaches to come up with a game plan that, you know, if you're working with field hockey, that it works for Courtney, or if you're working, for men, working with men's basketball, that it works for Joe? 
it's all about <clears throat> excuse me it's all about building relationships because every coach is different every student athlete is different so you have to it's a two-way street you got to work with the coach and at the end of the day you got to communicate with what they're looking to do as far as their game strategy and then you try to work with them and mimic that as well in the weight room and uh and that style of play and things like that so it's all about just relationships and building that over time because at the end of the day <clears throat> we have to care about the student athlete um, in order to get the best results uh, and you kind of mentioned different styles of play. Like you, you've said you work with volleyball, men's basketball. Volleyball is a very short, quick burst sport, whereas maybe men's basketball is a lot more running up and down a court. So you're clearly training that student athlete in a different way, right? Correct. Yeah. The really the sport specificity really comes with the condition. Well, that's a good word. It really comes with the conditioning and the injury prevention because every sport, the injuries are different, the conditioning needs are different. So that's really where we get more specific. The weight room, again, everybody's going to do a squat, everybody's going to jump and things like that, but the injury prevention and the conditioning is really where you can get sport specific. You're, Rick? Yeah, let me ask you um, sports performance and really strength and conditioning you know there's been some there's some real challenges right and and it's not just most people think about it it's in preparation for you touched on that there's a um a preventative a proactive approach to what you do you, you know i'd like to talk a little bit with you about the category of sports performance right you know there, there's so much that falls into that um into that category so if you can jimmy expand just from strength and conditioning and let's just talk a little bit about sports performance so we can ask I'd like to ask a, f a couple other questions about where we're going right because there's been some challenges you know there's some challenges in in, in former athletes health and preventative measures that are taking and you know what I admire most about how you and your staff go about your business that it, it is about the welfare of our student athletes preventative proactive preparation responsive recovery everything you all do is in this f focus of positive student athlete welfare preparation positioning them for success now i would hope that every athletic department you know has that mantra but what i admire again about you and your staff is is that unwavering commitment to the welfare of our student athletes so let's 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 first go to that i'd like to, you to speak to that you know how how 20 years ago strength and conditioning where it is today fast forward in this whole category of sports performance so yeah so when i first got into the field it was much more about the lifting weights conditioning your teams now as you i progress through my career i've seen it changing as a profession to really bridging the gap between not only athletic training, but uh, physical therapy, uh, nutrition, the sports psychology, and just bringing everybody together, all rowing the boat in the same direction. Because at the end of the day, everybody works hard, but you need to be working hard and all together. So everybody needs, whether it's communication between physical therapy and making sure if an injured athlete, what they're doing in physical therapy and how we can get them progress in the weight room. And same thing with athletic training and nutrition as well. So and I think also, you know, to the, to the non-expert of intercollegiate athletics, your day starts around what time? Uh, depends on what time the first group, but usually I'm here by 5, 5.15 a.m. So your day starts at what time? 5 a.m. Oh, what time? I wake up at mm, 3.50. My alarm goes off at 3.50. What time do you think you'll get home tonight? Mm, basketball game, so probably 10, 11 o'clock. So half a day. 
half a day's work. Okay, good. So I, I think you know what what you know. I think what we enjoy sometimes when we talk to people about what do you do for a living, you know, like whether you're Stephen in athletic communications, you know, people have you know people have a hard time wrapping their head around that, you know. I think Stephen, you know, I think he may may take a day off in a week, and it's kind of inappropriate because I don't think you've had a day off since August. And people look at strength and conditioning coaches and they think that we go into the, you know, the weight room and, you know, we're there for a few hours and we go home. But, you know, training 300, putting a, putting a program, quote unquote, strategy and program by sport together for 385 plus athletes is, is not a, a small task. What, what do you see are, you know, the greatest challenges facing you and your, and, and, and the field of strength and conditioning and, and the field of sports performance? Biggest challenges, I would say, is really resources. You need more resource because these high major programs, again, they have all the technology, all the GPS, all the heart rates and things like that. So in order to keep up with those style of programs, we, we need those type of equipment because that's where the... And, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Wouldn't you say, though, it's not even... I mean, keeping up in the, in the facilities, you know, the arms race of intercollegiate athletics is tough. And I think strength and conditioning falls into that category. I've heard you say, and I, that's why I cut you off, I've heard you say, but isn't it really in order to best position our student-athletes for their success? You know, um, can you get into... Some of the details, because people often ask us the question, how can I help? So for the listeners out there, tell us how they can help. If they wanted to help, what are the, some of the things you're going to look for when we go out and ask our supporters for support? What are some of the things they could support for you? So weight room renovations are huge. Um, again, the way, just like strength and conditioning has changed, equipment in the weight rooms have changed. So they're more functional. They're built more for collegiate weight rooms, flow-wise, things like that. And the way um, practices are run really can be managed by heart rates, GPS, and technology. So technology is a huge piece, and that's really where the the profession is going. Um, so in those areas, I would say those are the, the biggest things. Um, and also continuing to uh, build on the fueling station. So right now we are offering one snack per week, one piece of fruit per week, one shake after every training session. But if we could add to that, uh, that would be a, a, a tremendous benefit to our student athletes. Because again, it's a great starting point, but we need to build on that. Uh, so let's circle back on you a little bit. You're in your 12th year at Hofstra, is that correct? Uh, actually, this, um, well, it depends if you count undergrad. But we, we are counting your undergrad. Uh, so then that would be closer to 14. But this is actually my 10th year, coming up on my 10-year anniversary working at Hofstra. Uh, and you're in your fourth year leading the uh, strength and conditioning program? Yes, correct. Uh, the listeners may not know uh, how important of a piece you are to the Hofstra athletic family. Uh, you're constantly uh, rated as one of the best employees. Anytime anybody asks the student-athletes, what area is the most successful in our department? It's always Jimmy and his department. Um, Rick, am I right with that? 100%. I mean, being recognized last year as our staff member of the year, um, you know, I, I, you tr I try to find humor in sometimes these moments. It's kind of annoying. You know, you know there's not many people who don't look and respect and value um, and quite frankly, if you know, even stronger words. I mean, there's just such a high regard for your commitment to student athletes, commitment to Hofstra athletics, and commitment to Hofstra. Um, and and you know, being a you know a husband and a father, there's you know, we're all trying to consistently find the constantly find the balance in life, right? 
you know, but you are one of our best and our brightest. Um, and I think that's not only because of how talented you are, but the commitment that you have to the well-being of others and, and certainly your student-athletes first. So taking that, and hopefully you're not, you're, the tears are not flowing quite yet, uh, what, what makes you tick and what makes you strive for that greatness, to, to, not to sound too corny, but you, you, do, you do exude greatness with every day. I've known you for your 10 years here. Uh, can you talk a little about that? Thank you, Stephen. It's really my department. Like, it's not just me. It's Justin, Ashley. We're all just passionate about we do, uh, passionate about what we do. So it makes it easy getting up for work. I said we, my alarm goes off at 3:50, but that's nothing. Like, I absolutely love what I do. It's more about the relationships with the student athletes because at the end of the day the student athlete comes here for a great education and they come here for their sport they don't come here to lift weights we as strength and conditioning coaches are asking the student athlete to do something that they normally wouldn't do on their own so if we don't build that relationship they're not going to go to places where they're uncomfortable unless we truly show that we care about them so it's it's our culture within our department culture is not something that you are it's something that you continuously do so and and how do you build that culture continually because you have had staff turnover and that culture continues led by you uh, and led by justin led by ashley but people change yet the department that you oversee doesn't change it, it it's all about the individuals it's it's getting the right people in the right positions and just finding the attributes that make them successful and giving them opportunities to lead themselves. So Ashley and Justin have done a great job in different things. Ashley has done a great job fundraising this year and putting together uh, staff gear um, and fundraising that way. Justin is putting on a, a clinic. This is not a pitch for the clinic, but we are hosting our first annual Hofstra Strength and Conditioning Clinic this Sunday. Um, it's from 8 to 3. So if any strength coaches out there, we uh, it's our first clinic. So again, just Where can they find out more information about this? Uh, on our Instagram page, Hofstra Strength, or um, an email chain is, is also out there as well. So uh, there's a saying, you know, we have it in our basketball practice facility on the huge letters, championships are won in the off season. Is that a mantra you kind of live by and when you're training, do you feel like that's when the teams are the most, can build that championship mentality? It's built every single day. You have to have consistency. There's only, you could train as hard as you want in the off season four or five days a week, but if you don't maintain that and train continuously hard throughout the year, the off season doesn't mean anything. So it's a, it's a never ending pursuit of, of greatness and accountability and discipline and, and culture. Uh, so you've been at Hofstra for quite a few years now. You're, you, you are, you are, you bleed blue, if I would say. Uh, do you have a favorite moment uh, in your time uh, since you became a, a full-time employee? There's a, there's, that's a tough one. There's a, there's a lot out there. Um, it's tough to pin it down. I put you on the spot. Put me on the spot with that one. Um, Pretty cool moment um, last year was uh, men's basketball. Uh, Coach Mahalik getting T-shirts made uh, with my face and my beard on it, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. It was just it just showed that um, the culture and uh, just the buy-in from the student athletes is is awesome. Um, but it's it's every day. It's just showing up to work and the, the student athletes enjoying being in the weight room, enjoying those moments. It's uh, it's special. So quickly for those who don't know, who have never seen Jimmy's. Shaved head, full beard. Uh, when did the shaved head, full beard occur in your life? Before we get into the rest of the questions. Uh, I started shaving my head when I was 17 years old, and I never looked back. Wow. How old are you, how, how, how old are you now? 
I am 33. I'm not sure if we're allowed to ask that question from an HR perspective, but it's a great question. Yeah. And the beard? The beard, um, a little bit later. I think around yeah, it's maybe 23 I started letting that go a little bit. Uh, that, 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 was, that was an important question we got to there at the end. I didn't really think we were going to go down that road, but we went down that road. It's funny to see. Uh, he is a rather intimidating stature. Um, people I have attempted to fight him. I don't recommend it. Um, however, um, kind heart, so at the end of the day. Um, all right, so we have some fun questions we'd like to talk about because um, we get a bit food-centric. We have a couple things. If you were a meal, what would you be? I'm going to be a burrito. I, I could have burritos. Wait, wait. He almost like knew that question was coming. Like there, were, he had that answer in his head. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be a burrito. I could, I could literally have a burrito every single day. It's just, it's got everything in it. You got your rice, you got your meat, you got your tortilla, fills you up. It's a, it's a strength coach's meal, and uh, I'm going to go with a burrito. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, burrito establishment? So for convenience, uh, for everybody who knows Hofstra, we obviously have Chipotle that is very close, but I am a, uh, I'm a Moe's guy. I'm a Moe's burrito guy. That's interesting. I'm not a Moe's guy, just as an FYI, in case you're ever picking up lunch, Rick. No, no worries, because um, if we're taking, taking you guys to lunch, we're not getting burritos. Um, <laughs> so um, how about um, you get to go someplace anywhere you want on a vacation. Where are you going and who are you going with? Uh, just some FYI, you're a married man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to Montauk with my wife and two children. I love, I love Montauk, even though it's on Long Island. It's, it's far enough away, but still close enough to home. It's got the beach. I used to fish a lot before uh, my two children came along, but uh, I would love to go fishing once uh, they're old enough to go fishing. But uh, that's my spot, Montauk. Uh, and speaking of your two children, maybe the two cutest children I've seen, if you don't follow Jimmy on Instagram, he regularly posts uh, videos of his children waiting at the door when he arrives home from work and his daughter is literally jumping off the wall. Uh, yesterday was actually a really good one. You were dancing with your daughter come, when you got home from work, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah it, it's a, it, it, is, it will bring joy to, joy to your, uh, your body watching Jimmy uh, with his children. It, it's really a sight to see. Uh, so continuing on the food questions, uh, born and raised in Long Island? Yes, yes, correct. Uh, do you have a favorite restaurant on Long Island and where are you from? I am from uh, Sayoset. Um, my favorite restaurant on Long Island. I'm going to go one newer. Uh, I haven't, I, I'm going Harbor Crab in Patchogue. It was the first restaurant that my wife and I went to. Oh, Rick, Rick's giving a nod of approval on that. Yeah, so I, again, I like, the, uh, I like being outside, so they have a nice outside uh, part of the restaurant and live music. So I'm going to Harbor Crab with my wife. It's a good selection. If you're a Long Island person, you understand the, the whole culture out in Patchogue. The Patchogue revitalization has been pretty, pretty fun. Uh, do you have a favorite sports team outside of Hofstra? Uh, the New York Yankees. Wow. Another, another didn't hesitate. Uh, he's, he's a very thoughtful, well-educated sports fan. Uh, or not. Um, Rick, do you have any uh, further questions for uh, Jimmy? No, I'm... Uh, I'm just very appreciative of everything you and your team do for our student-athletes here at Hofstra and um, wishing you and your family the best of the holiday time. And, um, again, uh, keep doing what you're doing and keep elevating your game because when you do so, you elevate us all. And uh, just a reminder, you, uh, if you want to get involved in helping Jimmy's program, uh, you can certainly reach out to Jimmy. His contact information is on the website. You can reach out to Rick or myself. Uh, we're happy to pass along. It, it is 
if not the most important area of Hofstra athletics right now. Uh, it helps us get better, helps us get bigger, helps us get stronger, helps us get faster. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you, Rick, for continuing to push the department and, and pushing uh, myself uh, and just trying to be great. So thank you, guys. And happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. And next burrito at uh, Moses on Rick and I. Jimmy, thanks for joining us today on the Director's Cut with Hofstra Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole, Jr. And we'll talk to you guys next time on the Director's Cut. Well, thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Director's Cut with Hofstra Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole, Jr. Thanks once again to Jimmy Prendergast, our head strength and conditioning coach, for joining us. And we wish all the Hofstra community a wonderful, uh, happy holidays and new year. And we'll chat with you again soon. Go Pride.